Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I am joined with one of my good friends, Bryn Cummings. Hello, Bryn. Hello. Thank you for having me. I was wondering how you were going to introduce me. (laughs) I thought it would be more like this person I had to work with and such a jerk. I'm just still waiting for the day when like people actually get upset about having to work with me because like I can't imagine doing it. But <laughs> so so today we've been we've been talking a bit before this, and so I want to let you know this isn't an Agatha Christie book that we're doing today. It is a it is a new author. Okay. So there some I mean I think the tropes are always the same with mystery books but keep that I in mean mind, I'm but... I'm hoping so cuz man I did I did my homework strictly on Agatha Christie. So oh, that's I've done, I was like thinking. a fair amount of I think like I think I've listened to a number of the the new ones cuz I listened to Bonus Matt that was Dorothy someone and then Dorothy L Sayers yep. Yeah and uh Emma's which was Louise someone Penny Yep. Yes, I wanted to say Louis Pasteur because I was like, it's Louis Pasteur, <laughs> and then I was like, no, no, that's that's some science stuff. But yeah, so hopefully, hopefully. You, okay, so you're you're well you're well versed, you're well read, well listened, specifically actually. just in this podcast, <laughs> which is probably better because I I'm sure I have a style of telling stories, and I have a hundred percent paid attention to that style specifically (laughs) I never listen to these at work when I'm doing something else and not paying attention (laughs) or when I'm walking the dog and it's 6 a.m and I've just opened my eyes yeah I'm sure I'm sure so confident I'm gonna get it 110 percent take that Michael and you know the last person who told that was uh I don't okay (laughs) yeah um I'm not as good as Emily (laughs) okay so sorry not Agatha Christie yes so this book is called The Guest List it was like super popular this summer because it was on Reese Witherspoon's book club list and it was written by Lucy Foley she's written a couple of murder mysteries before and they've been I think pretty well received I would oh uh, before before I do anything else I've never done a trigger warning before because these are like murder mystery stories. And so like the idea of murder, I feel like is, is pretty clear, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting into this book does touch on topics of self-harm and abortion and like revenge porn. And these are kind of giveaways, but I, I, I felt like it was better to talk about it, like mention it at the beginning in case anyone doesn't want to listen. I mean, I appreciate that for other people. This one specifically is more, because it's not an Agatha Christie, her books are more not focused on the characters' lives. It's like very focused on the mystery. This book kind of deals with more of a storyline. And so there's more going on than just the mystery. Ooh, so many things to get confused in then. It's it's going to be it's gonna be a lot. It's, it's a long okay. one. There's a lot of perspectives. I'll try to do my best to explain it. I've got my sticky notes. I will. I'm on board. I think you're going to be good. <laughs> God, I hope so. Um, should we get into it? Definitely. Oh, actually, wait. Before I start, um, my, my tea pairing for the episode, this this book is set in Ireland, so I've chosen Irish breakfast tea. Oh, wow. Lovely. In Ireland. I'm writing this down. I don't know that it matters. Is there, like, any Irish slang that's going to be no. a problem? I have noticed that as a theme. 
I can see that. There are Irish names. So one of the okay. characters, her name is Aoife, which I looked up. It's spelt A-O-I-F-E, but online it said Aoife as a pronunciation. So I might, I might be wrong. I still could be wrong, but I, I'm trying. I mean, that's all you can do. <laughs> so we get, we get right into... Okay, to begin, there's kind of... There's several different people's perspectives throughout the book, but there's also kind of two storylines. So there's the present wedding night. Oh gosh, I'm I'm explaining this badly. Okay. So the book is about a wedding. Okay. <laughs> Got to it. start with. It's an exclusive wedding on a remote Irish Ireland. Um a remote Irish island. So it really plays into the like closed door mystery theme. So like if you saw the recent movie Murder on the Orient Express that was like an Agatha Christie. It's a yeah. closed train. No one could get on and off of the train. It has to be the, the occupants of the train. That's kind of the same thing with this. It's an island. It kind of has to be people on the island. For the okay. So similar to the seven, nine mole Indians, ten mole Indians? Kind of and then there were nine, yeah. That's it, thank yeah. you. I, I, did, I did really think about that book when I was reading this one. Ooh. Uh, because of the island and there, yeah. there were some other things that I'll I'll touch on awesome exclusive wedding isolated island in yes. Ireland yes I'm ready um, so yeah, yeah go ahead I was just gonna ask um year or like decade so the uh the book was written in 2020 and I think it's set sometime around now maybe no specific year but decade 2010 21st century-ish definitely okay so. Um, cell phones, Instagram, Tinder, all of those exist. <laughs> Great. Love it. So we start in the, again, there's two timelines. So the first timeline is like present tense. So it's the wedding night where there is like a storm brewing type thing, but they're also the, the rest of the perspective starts from the day before the wedding. Okay. So we start in kind of present time, and what has happened is the lights have gone out, like the electricity's cut out because of this kind of windstorm that's that's come about. And it ha- wasn't the first time that the electricity's cut, but it is much longer than it has been in the past. So the guests are kind of getting a little bit more worried being in the dark with just like a couple, like a few candles. But then finally the lights come back on and people start kind of dancing again until they hear a blood curdling scream. Okay. So that's, we get that, and then it cuts. We cut to the day before. So that's all we get of the present. Okay. So that's a teaser. I mean, I'm intrigued. Who screen? Who <laughs> lights? Like, they, they have some problems, clearly. <laughs> so we then jump back to the day before, and we meet our wedding planner, whose name is Aoife. That's okay. the spelt A-O-I-F-E. And she's kind of preparing or prepping for the rehearsal dinner that's to take place that night before the wedding day. And they actually own this island, her and her husband, Freddie. And they, there's like something called a folly on, on the island, which I kind of looked up. And basically a folly is described as like decorative architecture that has no real purpose. Okay. That's kind of the idea. And so it kind of, I'm kind of picturing it as like a, looks like a castle like it has like tower battlement type things it's probably made of stone um maybe kind of church like in a sense but it's just it's just a built pretty big building and it's a folly it's called a folly okay so we're on the island 
we're, we're in the folly. She's kind of like, she's preparing the rehearsal dinner. And the, she's also kind of thinking about that she's never hosted a wedding that's this important before. And it kind of gets into the idea that the guests or the, the, the couple, the, the husband and wife, the people getting married are not necessarily famous, but they're, they have some fame to them. Um, the, we'll get more into it or we'll get a little bit more into it, but the bride owns her own magazine that she like created from a blog and the husband or groom or whatever he um he's on tv he's uh he's got his own tv show okay so that's kind of their deal and then we meet hannah and hannah is titled the plus one that's her title and uh that she's given in the book to kind of describe her and her deal is that she's married to the best friend of the bride his name is Charlie. And so Charlie is, um, he's going to be a usher, a groomsman or whatever it's called, but he's really the bride's best friend. So if, if he could be, if they were doing something less traditional, he might be on her side of the wedding party or however it works. Mm-hmm. But big money is big conservative. So. Basically. So he's a groomsman, but the bride's best friend. Yes. So Hannah, his wife, is then just a plus one. And it's kind of weird that she's, I guess it makes sense she's not part of the wedding party, but at the same time, being titled the plus one also feels a little weird that she didn't get her own invite, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, snubbed. Yeah. She's not good enough to be a real guest. She's just a plus one. Yeah, it feels weird, but maybe I'm just like, I don't get the terminology of weddings, which is possible. (laughs) I mean, same. I think I've only ever been a plus one to a wedding, so there you go. I'm not offended never, by I've it. I've never but... been to a wedding. Oh my gosh. Maybe one day, Bryn. I mean, I don't think I'm any help in that department, but I, I wish you luck in this quest. <laughs> Thank you. So Jules is the name of the bride. Charlie and Jules are best friends, and they had met kind of in high school when Charlie had been a sailing instructor during the summer and he instructed Jules had been one of like his, his students and she'd actually been taking, yeah, she had been taking sailing lessons almost solely to try and impress her father who wasn't in her life very much. She was kind of like, you know, a maybe, I don't know if distance the right word, but she, she just wanted to impress him and he was into boats. Classic. Okay. Yeah. And this, uh, then the groom is Will, his name is Will Slater. As I said before, he's on a TV show called Survive the Night, where the premise is, is that like, he's kind of like left in these crazy situations and then has to try and survive the night with nothing, nothing to go with type thing. Wow. Foreshadowing. Maybe. I think so. (laughs) I feel like I I enjoyed the like, um, Emily Cho style of being like, that's who did it. Like this is, I feel, I feel like I need to refrain from doing that constantly. Oh, I like it, but no, go for it. <laughs> I, I think the survive the night thing is going to be foreshadowing and maybe he's going to have been faking it and like, because it's TV, it's not real. And so then they're all going to find that out when, I don't know, the lights go out again or someone is murdered. Who knows? Okay. That's, that's well, my like two minutes in guess okay. or however okay, long. So um, Hannah's kind of thinking about this TV show because she's been watching it in secret because her husband, Charlie, is not interested. He seems to not really like Will. And it's there's a little bit of confusion about why. So she, anyways, she's watching the TV show in secret and she really likes it. 
Um, and she's also thinking she hopes it's not jealousy because if her husband, Charlie, is jealous of Jules' fiance, then what does that mean for their marriage? Like, is he, is her, is her husband in love with Jules type thing? I mean, like, yes, but sure. Mm -hmm. And they are taking one of the boats to the island and it's kind of choppy and Hannah gets seasick easily. So that's kind of just thrown in there. I vibe with that. <laughs> I honestly, I get sick on everything. It's like kind of the worst. <laughs> so you're not going to this wedding then maybe? No, like boats, trains. Yeah, Gravel's been my best friend for a while. So we we kind of jump jump from her. That's her perspective, and then we move to Jules, the bride, mm -hmm. and she's she's currently in the folly in their in their bedroom, and she's trying on her wedding dress. I don't know, just like last minute, make sure everything's looking good for the day before, mm -hmm. or for the day the next day, and. We kind of get from, from her thinking that she's like a really big planner. She really likes to know exactly how everything's going to go. And she's thinking about like, you know, the table plan for the next day. Who's sitting by who? And that's how she had kind of created this blog called The Download and turned it into a magazine where she has like several, like a whole team of employees and people working on this magazine for her. Mm -hmm. So it's now a magazine, but it used to be a blog. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She started with a blog on her own and then grew it into a full-fledged magazine okay so will comes into the room and so this is where it's kind of yes they're kind of i guess traditional but she also doesn't care that he's seeing her in her wedding dress the day before she, she doesn't care about too many of that stuff it's more just to get they're trying to give an appearance or make it look a certain way for other people is more of it okay so they're discussing the table plan, and one person that comes up is Pierce, who's the TV show producer. And Jules had kind of invited him last minute because she had realized he hadn't been on the list. And Will seems kind of a little bit annoyed with this that Jules invited him, but he like he kind of reads, sees that, and then you know brushes it off afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then Jono, we get introduced to him. He's the best man. I, I thought that was interesting. Like, his full name's Jonathan, but he got, goes by Jono. Okay. Which, I, like, must be... I just a, heard a Bono, and I was like, yeah, yeah, oh. Bono. <laughs> Jono must be, like, a British nickname that I'm not familiar with in Canada. I mean, to each their own, I guess. <laughs> so he comes in, and you'll kind of get his character a little bit by his... He's coming to say that he's forgotten his suit for the wedding. And he's the best man. Right. And he's the best man. Okay. So Will and him leave to kind of go sort that out. And Jules is pissed off because she just can't understand how they're friends. Like Will is so put together and sleek and kind of like has his life together. And it just seems like Jono is like falling apart. But Will just always tells her that they have history. Like they had gone to school together and they, they just, you know, they're just best friends. Mm -hmm. Best mates. As the, as the Brits, British would say. <laughs> Oh, that's classic slang, you know. There you go. I said there wasn't going to be, an, be any, but I was lying. Yeah, what else are you lying about, huh? <laughs> so Will and Jonna go up up to the battlements or like the tower on the folly um, with a, a case of Guinness. Classic. Just like plug that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Jonna was kind of like expressing that he's like a little bit shocked that Will is getting married because he's always been such a player. They talk about that. And then the other ushers come up. So I guess, I, I'm not sure what the difference between groomsmen and ushers are, or if it's just two different names for the same thing. I think the other ushers. 
ushers are mm-hmm. like I knew this, but I I okay, honestly, I thought ushers were like a funeral thing. because uh, they're like oh Paul Bears is what I'm thinking of. Never mm-hmm. mind. I don't know. <laughs> well they call for whatever reason they're called ushers and the four of them come up that have been invited for the kind of you know rehearsal dinner so there's yeah yeah. there's there's gonna be more ushers the next day but will was allowed to invite the closest ones because they had i think 10 bedrooms they had room for x number of people the day before so it's a big folly is it are they staying in the folly or the folly is like a decrepit area no the folly is like you know put together has electricity and water it has 10 bedrooms so it is pretty big that's why i kind of said like it's like castle like or church like Mm -hmm. like it's not small but at the same time, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, I don't know what it would look like based big. on, yeah, big, big brick or big stone imposing thing. And fancy and British or Irish. Yeah, correct. Exactly. Cool. That's how to picture it. So the, the other ushers come up. Their names are Femi, Angus, Duncan, and Peter. And they all went to school together, all, all six of them, including Will and Jono. And the... School they had gone to is called Trevelyan's. It will kind of come up, so that's why I say the name. Um, and you kind of, they, they have this whole chapter where they're talking together, but you just get the sense that all of them are assholes. Like, they've, like, real party boys. Like, like kind of like high school is the best time of their lives. I think they actually say that. They're, in, they're kind of, like, in their mid-30s at this point, so it's not... All downhill from you know, there. Kind of. And... I don't know. You, you I, I would not want to be friends with any of these people. They'd make me uncomfortable for sure. So they're very like rowdy and like entitled yeah. kind of is kind of the vibe yeah. I'm getting. Yeah. Like I, I I'm going to do what I want and I don't care if I make you uncomfortable. Honestly, actually, I'd like to make you uncomfortable because it will make me laugh kind of vibe. Okay. So they're like a little bit like power trippy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that, that continues to happen. They stay up on the tower. Meanwhile, we meet uh, Livia, who is Jules' half-sister and Jules' only bridema- bridesmaid. Okay. So Olivia is quite a bit younger. She's 19. And there's you kind of just get the sense that there's something off about her in the sense that something has happened to her. Like, she is not doing okay. And this is where um, she... <sighs> You have no idea what's going on, but all of a sudden she's she starts to cut herself. Okay. And that's how you're kind of realizing, like, okay, yeah, she's she's going through something bigger than than what's being talked about right now. But we're okay. we're not sure at all what. And as as that's happening, Jules, her sister, comes into the room or knocks on the door, and so she quickly like gets up because um, Jules wants her to try on her bridesmaid's dress, mm-hmm. and when she does, she finds that it's really loose on her. Because she's been, um, she says herself, she's been losing a lot of weight recently. Is Not on stressed? purpose, it's just been happening. Yeah, okay. or so something, she's like, like, something like that. Stressed about something. And I'm going to say it has something to do with one of those asshole dudes. I'm hoping it's not <laughs> Will. But like, mm. I'm just, I'm suspicious. Because like, he okay. used to be a player. And now he like, has to get married. And. I don't know. I'm just, and he's in TV. I've been listening again to a lot of podcasts and like there's been a lot of things where I was listening to this one about Anita Hill today and essentially it was like the first big case of um, like sexual harassment being brought against someone and like having all that stuff brought up. So like there was a lot of talk of like 
nowadays we compare things to like oh like it's not as bad as Harvey Weinstein or whatever so there was just a lot of chat in that about like uh, Hollywood yeah. and like it being like just a, a cesspool of harassment and so I think that is influencing my opinion but yeah she doesn't sound okay. like she's okay. in a great place no then that's that's kind of the those are like the main takeaways like that's what we're pulling from her attitude is something's off and we, I don't think, I think this is her, Olivia's self-monologue, but she's thinking about how she's just dropped out of university and she had recently broken up with her boyfriend Okay. from uni. Because she's carrying another man's baby is like my, my guess right now, because I, <laughs> okay. just, I, I want to be right about something. And if I keep throwing things out, it'll happen. I know. I think that's perfect. So we're, we're seeing all this because this is all Olivia's inner monologue, but somehow Jules is not picking up on any of it. And she says, I'd like you to try and make a bit of, a, of an effort. This is my wedding for God's sake. Yeah. And so we all day. cringe as, yeah, we're cringing as reading it. Cause we're like, yes, it's your day, but clearly your sister is like, not okay. But Jules doesn't see that. Yeah. She's, she's too busy. Just to Basically. think about where people are going to sit. Who cares if her sister is? you know right is okay is her exactly so it's a little cringy because I mean it's easy for us to to kind of look in and be like you shouldn't be doing that but I'm sure well yeah and people see what they want to see right so true yeah yeah yeah. so as as Olivia leaves Jules goes to see her mom um, and she's upset that Olivia isn't enthusiastic for her she's kind of going like I picked her as my bridesmaid my only bridesmaid I didn't have to do that but I like I want her to be with me like standing there with me and clearly Jules and her mother do not have a good relationship it sounds like um, her mom didn't want her like didn't want to be pregnant didn't want to have a kid and made that clear throughout her childhood and so Jules feels like she raised herself and I think I think their mother the mom tells Jules Olivia's had it rough and but she won't tell Jules what's happened she says it's not my place to talk about it okay I vibe with that. Like, I know she might not have been good to Jules, but like, that's, I don't know. I don't know. I think a good thing. Probably. Probably. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll find out. We definitely will. <laughs> so we jump back to Hannah and Charlie who are arriving on the boat to the island. They're like, well, I think the last couple, maybe second last couple to arrive. And they're kind of thinking about how this is going to be a vacation from their kids because they were... You know, I think they have two two young kids. They were the first of their friend group to have kids. So they're feeling a little bit of that, like, maybe nostalgia or feeling like, oh, imagine what it would be like if we could still kind of party and do the things we used to do when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so thinking life's been so different since kids and it's going to be nice to just relax together. Yes. Are they going to be together? Who knows? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so suspicious of everyone. Like, I feel like it could be... I mean, obviously, it could be like anyone it. at this point, and also nothing has happened yet, so, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be guessing. This is the most... That's the enjoyable part. I think I'm just, like, I'm so paranoid in terms of, like, all of it. Like, every time I'm listening to, I'm just, like, oh, like, that person, like, that person coughed in a weird direction. It's them. Right, yeah. I feel like sometimes when I read these books, like, this one specifically, I was reading it I do it two ways. I either I'm reading it to try and guess what's happening or I'm reading it for enjoyment. And if I'm reading it for enjoyment, I'm not, I don't care about anything. I just want to get to the end and find out. I don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. So this, this one was, I, I didn't think about anything. I just was like, and what happened next? And what happens next? 
I think I'm the opposite where I'm just like every little detail I'm like okay they're on the boat like if they're on a boat like someone could be st- like stowing away and you know like there's water which means like I guess somebody could be like scuba diving there so that they're like not detecting on the boats like just pulling out the wild theories you know I like it I think that's fun that's what this podcast is for to to get all those theories yeah just get your your guessing juices flowing I guess yeah so we come as so Olivia, you know, she's left her sister's room and she takes off the dress and goes down to there's this like cave um, on one of the beaches surrounding okay. the island. And she's gone there be- because she just wants to hide from everyone and everything. She doesn't want to be around anyone. And Hannah ends up finding her there. And she kind of says to Olivia, are you trying to hide from everyone? Me too. So Hannah also is feeling maybe a little bit of an outcast mm-hmm. in a sense. And it's partly because, so Charlie is emceeing the wedding. And so when they got there, he immediately started kind of like going over things with Jules. And uh, Hannah felt like she was, she didn't want to impose or kind of get in their way. So she wanted to to, to get out of there. So Han- Hannah's in the cave, kind of talking to Olivia saying, oh, you're also trying to hide. And Olivia's thinking in her head, like, yeah, because I want to be alone, like, get out of here. And so she purposely pulls out, like, a pack of cigarettes to kind of, like, see what Hannah's going to do. Mm-hmm. And Hannah goes, man, yeah, I haven't had one in a really long time. Honestly, yeah, give me one. Like, I'm in. And that's, they kind of start to bond a little bit. And Olivia starts to tell Hannah about her boyfriend, Callum, that had broken up with her in university. And that's kind of, like, what had started everything. Mm-hmm. What started all of her problems was her boyfriend breaks up with her and gets with another girl and they're Ooh. very showy about it on Instagram okay this is where the Instagram part comes in yeah yeah so we kind of we know there's Instagram <laughs> okay so he like broke it off for this other girl essentially it, it sounds like it like we she doesn't get too much into it but you're kind of inferencing that that's what happened mm-hmm. so it sounds like Olivia was about to tell Hannah more but Hannah realizes what time it is and that the rehearsal dinner is about to start and she decides she should probably head back. Lame. I know. I know. We're sitting there going like, but I want to know what happened. Olivia, Who cares about this stupid dinner? <laughs> but sadly, Hannah doesn't know. Like, she has no idea. She's never met this kid, Olivia, before. Yeah. She doesn't know that there's stuff to know. Exactly. Not yet. Ooh, foreshadowing. <laughs> we cut back to Aoife who's at the Folly and we're kind of finding out from her inner monologue that her family used to come here every summer on on holiday mm-hmm. it used to this island used to have people who like a almost like a village type setting of people who lived there but within the last few decades everyone has moved off the island onto the mainland so that's why that's I guess how uh, Aoife and her husband were able to buy the whole island or take it over again was mm-hmm. no one's living there it's, it's deserted Mm-hmm. And so she goes to visit the cemetery. Classic. And when she gets back to the Folly, she sees that Charlie and Jules are very close together on the couch discussing the emceeing. And she kind of can't help but notice that when she walks in the room, they kind of not jump apart, but they clearly get farther apart from how, how close they were. Mm-hmm. So then we jump back to the kind of present day present eve of the wedding night and so we just the last we heard was the lights had gone out people kind of freaked out a little bit but then the lights came back on and everyone started like you know dancing again and then they heard the blood curdling scream Mm -hmm. so now 
we see a girl, one of the one of the waitress like staff that had been hired for the wedding, she stumbles into the marquee or the tent where the, the wedding reception is being hosted. And she looks like paralyzed, like paralyzed with fear. She can't she can't say anything. Her eyes are like, you know, wide and kind of unseeing. Mm-hmm. And finally, after several, several moments, she murmurs outside so much blood a body oh wow okay so we know we know something's coming but again it's it's it gets cut there like we're only getting snippets of information right now Mm -hmm. pretty spooky yeah a little bit this is kind of where it played in for me where i just was trying like i just wanted to get the book done and find out what happened because we kept getting this like these exciting tidbits was like but whose body (laughs) where i feel like that would suck like I feel like there's so many times in like mystery things where like it's just like a random like wait staff or staff or like some person who like just happens to be there like some like sea captain mm-hmm. who's like minding their own business and then they're like oh like darn I don't know if I can swear on here but oh darn like here's here's a dead body and a lot of trauma that I'm gonna have to deal with later but we're not really gonna concern ourselves with that I'm just here because I don't know who any of the characters are so I can't really provide any information correct but that's that's her purpose I mean she's doing a great job yeah so she she gives that information and then passes it Mm -hmm. kind of and so we, we get that and then we jump back to Hannah, who's getting dressed up for the for the rehearsal dinner. And she's feeling pretty good about herself. Like she's got her her nicest pre-pregnancy dress going on. And I think Char- Charlie like compliments her. Like he's like, damn girl, you look fine. He doesn't say that, but that's what I picture. Yes. And you kind of get the sense when they get down to the, the rehearsal drinks or the drinks before dinner that... Hannah is kind of into Will. Like she's seen him on TV and she's kind of like got like maybe a little crush on him. Yeah, a little bit. So at some point, you know, the whole wedding party is standing around chatting and Jono, the best man, asks Charlie and Jules how they met. Mm -hmm. And as they're telling the story, Hannah can tell, like she's like, they're flirting. They're totally flirting right now. I I wonder if Charlie knows he's doing it type thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a pretty classic question. Yeah. So of course, then the next question that comes is Jono asks much more crudely than I'm going to say, but he asks, have Jules, have Jules and Charlie, have you slept together? Mm. And this clearly like it gets, it gets Jules mad, but before they can answer, someone pops open a bottle of champagne loudly and it kind of distracts everybody and they move on. So Hannah's Hannah's, Hannah kind of is thinking to herself that she's always been too afraid to ask that question. She's always wondered it, but she's never wanted to know the answer. Mm-hmm. So then all the, the men, the ushers, are kind of describing their school their, that they had gone to, Trevelyan's, and how it had been like, you know, only the strong will survive kind of mentality. And the way they're describing it, I think, is like Lord of the Flies is what they bring up. So great. not great. Awesome. Love yeah. it. What a great movie and book about friendship and coming together as a community and murder. So they're talking about it and you kind of, you get the sense like these, these people are messed up probably from this schooling that clearly like the, the, the leadership at this school must not have been great. Not, not that they're bad. Like they still are bad people. They're, they're bad assholes. But also, but some of it's not their fault. 
Yeah, yeah. They think things were out of their control in their youth, probably. Mm-hmm. So, so they're they're discussing this, and I think Hannah Hannah decides she just she needs some like liquid courage, like things because of these ushers and the way they talk about things, like they're making her uncomfortable. And so she sticks out her glass to get more champagne. And as they're filling it up, someone puts a penny in it, which I, again, maybe it's because I'm not British or English, uh, but it's called pennying someone. Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay. Okay. So here's the deal is I guess you put a penny. I don't know if it has to be champagne or just someone's drink in general. And then you have to chug the drink because the quote unquote queen is drowning. And so you need to save her. Ah, classic. Yes. Well, so, so they pour the champagne and someone pennies her and she's thinking in her head, she's like, I'm not going to do this. Like I'm a 34 year old mother. Like I don't, I'm not in, I'm not in high school. I'm not in university anymore. Like I don't, I don't have to drink if I don't want to, but oh, my gosh, had that the pure is so strong. <laughs> never had that. <laughs> the peer pressure is so strong and she ends up chugging the drink and she feels, she feels like everyone's laughing at her. Like she's the butt of the joke. Like they're not laughing with her. I feel like there's a lot of themes of like being an outsider and like peer pressure and just like mob mentality and like power dynamics like this whole like Lord of the Flies thing and then there being like a body I'm just like oh man like I think I'm just like flashing back to like reading Lord of the Flies and being like this is oh they're all so like bad and uh yeah I know I mean I I get it I get it but it sucks so we jump back to the present at the wedding night. And so they've they've heard this this girl in her story and they're trying to figure out what to do. Like, do they it's 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 like a gale outside. It's super windy, it's dark out, you won't be able to see anything. So the wedding planner, Aoife, is trying to be like, just wait, like wait inside, no one go out. She doesn't want anyone else to get hurt, is kind of her thought process. Mm-hmm. Um so the ushers, the, the those four guys, Duncan, Peter, Angus, and Femi they kind of volunteer. They're like, we'll go, we'll go out searching for, for whatever it is. And so I think they, they take some torches, torches and head out or flashlights or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then coming back to the rehearsal dinner they're you know, they're all having drinks when Jewel's dad arrives with his new wife, who is his fifth wife. So, you know, he's doing well for himself. <laughs> yes. This quantifiably more wives equals better. <laughs> I think so. I mean, yeah. I'm again. I'm just trying to stop from saying classic. You know. <laughs> so Jewel's mom is is her dad's first wife, and so he's got wife number one, wife number five here, and she mm-hmm. is purposefully refusing to acknowledge this new wife because uh, I think her idea is like it's not serious until it's been five years. So she won't. She's not going to give them the time of day until that happens. Great. I would love to be in that family for the first five years. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. So so once he's gotten there, they all sit down to dinner. And Jules is thinking about how she used to be envious of Hannah. So we're kind of getting back into, clearly, Jules, there were some feelings for Charlie mm-hmm. at some point in either her youth or recently. But now she's she's looking at her, her future husband, Will, and kind of going, I'm, but I'm so happy now. Like, I'm so glad to have him. Mm-hmm. Then Jules' mom stands up to give a toast. She had been banned from giving a toast at the actual wedding, so she's giving it now. And it's rightfully so. She pisses Jules off, and 
the basically she gives this speech where she takes all the credit for raising Jules, where Jules feels like she raised herself. And so her mom at one point, like Jules is kind of going, thinking in her head, just say you're proud of me. And the mom then goes, I have to say I'm proud of myself. So she doesn't, she really, just yeah, not good. Big mom mood of being like, I did great. Yeah, yeah. It's your wedding, but let's talk about me. Type of thing. So at the rehearsal dinner, we, you know, we've gotten into eating and Hannah is asking Jonna some questions about himself. And he's telling her that he's like, he's pretty outdoorsy and that he had actually, he had auditioned for Will's TV show when, when like he had done like a screen test, but they had mm-hmm. turned him down. And he's kind of, as he's telling the story, he's thinking to himself, why are you bringing this up? You didn't have to bring this up. Like, I don't want, he doesn't want to talk about it, yet he's doing it to himself. Mm. And then the ushers get into where the idea had come from. Because the, the the idea for the TV show is it's called Survive the Night. And they start talking about this game they used to play at school called Survival. Mm. And the concept was, it was... It, again, like you, you're kind of seeing, wow, okay, so this is what their school was like. When you were a first year boy, like a, one of the younger boys, the older boys would just a random night would kidnap you from your bed, blindfold you and tie you up in the middle of the woods. And you'd have to try and untie the bonds and then make your way back to the school in the pitch dark. Great camaraderie cohort. Yeah. Great. So it's like, don't know, have enough know. words for being like, oh, this school sucks. Yeah, I know. Sum it up. But uh, reading it and going, how did anyone let this continue to happen? My gosh. I mean, sometimes I was like, I don't know. I read this meme the other day and it was this thing where essentially um, it was like, yeah, a child brings up trauma. Parent, that never happened. Don't be stupid. And I was like, wow. Um, wow. But that I feel like that's a very common thing with like, I don't know. Again, Again, a lot of these podcasts I've been listening to are like deep dives. And so it'll be like, yeah, these people were telling us about this, but nobody believed them. And it was just like, great. We can't learn to like, I don't know, investigate a little bit. Or... Yeah. So that's, it's it's that concept, but then it's also, you know, you knew that you were, you were having it done to you because you were the younger boy. But as soon as you're older, you were going to get to do it to the younger boys. Like you had that to look forward to, which is just the, totally wrong mentality but that's I mean, what was going on yeah I, I'm not a huge fan of that to be like well I mean I had to go through it when I was younger so like yeah these other people should yeah. have to struggle and it's like didn't you learn that you didn't want to do that uh, exactly I know it's frustrating I have a little sticky note that says sus and I'm just gonna put it right on the one that says survival <laughs> So they've, they've talked about all this and I think because they're ta- they've started talking about school and they're getting into this, you know, like a mob mentality a little bit, they decide to start a drinking game that they used to play at school. And you kind of realize as they're starting it, like, um, I think Hannah's kind of thinking to herself, oh, I'm out. And she's trying to convince Charlie without saying anything, her husband to be like, you're, we're not playing a drinking game. Like, let's, let's go to bed. Let's get out of here. But you realize something Charlie had been on the stag, the stag do with the with all the other ushers or groomsmen, mm-hmm. um, and everyone except him had gone to this boarding school, Trevelyan's, except for him. And you're realizing something happened on the stag that he that we don't know about. Okay, so that's just kind of looming there. So Hannah ends up leaving, 
but Charlie is kind of through this peer pressure is convinced to stay and she kind of can't she kind of she knows what it feels like she just chugged that thing of champagne even though she didn't want to but she so she understands what that feels like and they start to the kind of the game starts by them like singing their old school chant where they've added in new Latin words to the school chant of their own where they just like chant raise hell in Latin over and over again. Cool. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. I, I mean, I would chant. be really excited if this like just took a hard left and was like, yeah, this is like a pagan ceremony. When we said raise hell, <laughs> we were literally raising spirits from a hell. Um, and then we just needed to like sacrifice somebody just like a little bit of you know and then story over <laughs> yeah and then it was like you know what we don't have to do that for another 500 years so really we just saved the planet <laughs> i think i'm just like uber looking for like red herrings <laughs> that's not what happens yeah whatever um, sure it's not and they end up <laughs> they mix like a you know a bunch of alcohol different kinds of alcohols and just like liquids in general into a cups so, like you know hot sauce and ketchup or whatever you know just discuss make a disgusting brown liquid yeah like lemonade stand stuff yeah yeah exactly so i think hannah gets out of there as soon as i think charlie loses one round and she's like i'm not watching you drink this and she gets out of there and mm-hmm. she finds olivia in kind of the sitting room and olivia has stolen a bottle of vodka from the kitchen and so they go out together to the cave back to the cave that they were about before okay so Hannah, Han- they kind of get to the cave and uh, clearly Olivia wants, like she wants to talk about what's going on, but she can't find the words to talk about it. And so Hannah kind of realizes that she needs to start with something. Mm-hmm. And so she starts telling, telling um, Olivia about her sister, Alice, who had had also had a bad breakup when she was in university where the guy had reacted really badly afterwards. Okay. And so that, that, that gets things going. And Olivia says, that so yeah her her, her boyfriend she had, her boyfriend had broken up with her and that was kind of like the catalyst and so she had wanted to make her boyfriend jealous and she had been at she had been staying at her sister Jules house in London by herself like Jules was away and she was kind of taking over she was allowed to stay there for how, like the week or the weekend mm-hmm. and so she had gone on one of the dating apps and she she had found this guy and she decided she wanted to go out with him like that night so she could get like a picture to put on Instagram or Snapchat or something to kind of show off because her boyfriend Callum he was posting pictures with this new girl and she was feeling really crappy about it Mm -hmm. I am wondering if this unknown guy is like kind of just a cog in the story or if it's going to turn out that he is somebody we already know Again, just uh, it's going to be a lot of me just being like, oh, and this is connected. It's all connected. Yeah, yeah. Good. That's more fun. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a very common trend in mystery novels or like the, the like, they were secret twins or like, this person's actually this person or like, oh, <laughs> surprise, they were just wearing a hat that day. It's like my favorite when somebody's just like, I couldn't tell who it was. They were wearing a coat. And I'm just like, okay, cool. You don't have eyes. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. She goes out with this guy. Wants to post it all over the internet. Yeah. So his name's his name's Steven. He's like this good looking guy. And he he paid like attention to her and he laughed at all her jokes and like was really attentive to her stories. And so it just made her feel really good. And so she didn't even it just happened where he ended up kind of coming over and they slept together and they ended up going out a bit more and a bit more and they were, you know, sleeping together a lot. 
And then at the end of the summer, so I guess she was on summer holidays at this point, she had decided to take him to one of Jules' magazine parties that she, like, Jules had been hosting an end of summer party for her magazine. Mm -hmm. And she had wanted, she had wanted to introduce this guy Steven to Jules that night, but she was feeling so nervous about it that she ended up getting too drunk. And the guy ends up sending her home in a cab, but didn't go with her. And then didn't reply to any of her messages or calls in the, after that. Ooh, okay. So he, that's kind of like the end of that fling. Okay. I wonder if, if he like knew somebody or like somebody sent him out of her life because they were like, oh, you, you're getting her drunk and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Again, I am just looking for threads. Good. I like it. So meanwhile... You know, so this everyone's kind of going to bed, and so Jono Jono has gone up to bed after a night of drinking, and he he smokes some weed, and he's been having nightmares recently, but mm-hmm. they're worse now that he's with these guys from Trevelyans because they're they're memories of Trevelyans, the school that are coming back to him, and so he's he's trying to go to bed, and then he feels like he sees something, like a this you know, this shadow of this form in the corner of the room, and he's realizing it, it, it's it's not real right like it's in it's, it's all in his head because he's kind of like he's he's drunk or he's high or whatever or both mm-hmm. and he's trying to apologize to what th- this figure in the corner of the room or this person that he thinks is there okay mysterious yeah so meanwhile Jules and Charlie have gone up to the battlements or the tower um, on top of the folly because she hadn't wanted to play the drinking game. Clearly, Charlie hadn't really wanted to either. So they had left. And he asks, Charlie asks Jules if Will makes her happy. And that pisses her off. Because she's kind of like, you have you have no right to be asking me like that. Like, are you jealous of my husband? Like, that's ridiculous. And you kind of get this sense, the way they're talking about things, it's like, yes, okay, they've definitely slept together. They don't say that, but it's, the, the idea is there. Mm-hmm. And so she asks if he had written the note. And so this is, I don't think the first mention of the note in the book, but it's the first time I'm mentioning it. And so what it was is a few weeks ago, I think, or a few months ago, she had she'd gotten a note in her mailbox that had said something along the lines of, Will Slater is not the man you think he is. He's a cheat and a liar. Don't marry him. Okay. So the fact that Charlie was kind of like asking, does he make you happy is making her think like, do you not want me to marry him? But the the confusion in his voice and the way he kind of looks at her, like kind of asking what note, makes her believe that it wasn't him who had, who had written it. Okay. So they kind of have a weird moment of like, just kind of apologizing to each other. But, you know, there's there's tension between, between Charlie and Jules. But they go off, they both go off to bed. To their separate rooms. The, they're separate rooms. So Jules gets back, gets back with Will, and she's getting into bed when her leg presses up against something slimy in bed, and she immediately like pulls it out, screams, like falls on the floor, um, and she's thinking it felt like a like a dead sea creature, a dead fish, something of that kind. Okay, not nice. And so Will Will pulls uh, across the covers, and they kind of look at this like dark mass in the sh- in the sheets, and Will realizes that it's just seaweed. It's like seaweed kind of spread out to look like it's got like tentacles, but it's just seaweed. Okay. And I think he explains to her that was a prank that the 
they used to play on each other at Trevelyan's, the school. So he's like, oh, I, it's just probably just one of the ushers thinking this is funny. Whereas Jules going like, not at all. Thanks a lot. Okay, so definitely, I feel like during their survive or survive the night, someone died. I'm thinking that it was when they were older and they were performing the stuff. And it had something to do with drowning, which seems weird because, I mean, like, maybe the seaweed is just an island thing, but, like, Mm. there's, oh, I feel like, I feel like they definitely, the the five, six of them, uh, like, killed somebody. And, like, maybe it was brought up on the stag do. I just, oh, there's, Mm. this school keeps coming up a lot. It's real spooky. And, like, there's a lot of mystery and, like, oh, they... They all seem like kind of paranoid and like they're repressing some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite possible. Thank you. I like your very like reserved nature of like, hmm, good idea, especially when it's just like me being like, and then there was this pagan ceremony. <laughs> you're just being, yeah, that could happen. Like, ooh, keep thinking. I I don't it's so tough to know like how, how much enthusiasm I should give to to which ideas. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you're gonna need to get like uh like one of those like text to speech things that is like ah yes can continue. <laughs> yes, I do. To proceed with no our emotion. story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so seaweeds happen. I think they go like Will goes out and gets some like new sheets, and they they get rid of the seaweed and put new sheets on the bed. And he says he'll talk to the boys the next day and kind of find out who it was. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Aoife is, she's getting ready for bed as well when she hears these like strange sounds from outside. And so she, she's going to go kind of find out what's going on, takes a fire poker with her in self-defense. And when she gets outside, she kind of is, you know, moving her flashlight around and she finds that it's Jono crying outside. Okay. So she tells him it's not safe to be outside at night and it. I haven't mentioned this yet, but it is mentioned quite a bit in the story. The island has a peat bog on it. It's like covered in peat bog, which. Did you say a um, peat bog? Yeah. Okay. And it's covered in peat bog? Like, like the island, like the surface of the island. Yeah. It's like a, it's a type of wetland, a bog. Yeah. And peat is like the type of soil. Yeah. So I, I just, I more meant like. If the if you know if the island had X surface area, a large amount of that surface area is peat bog. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's you can tell me more about this, you an environmental engineer, but it's very sure. easy to sink into. Yeah, and so it's like a really soft soil. Okay, so the idea is like she doesn't want anyone out at night because if you stumbled into that, like people have died getting trapped in in yeah. that bog. Yeah, and I think my understanding of it um, is essentially that, like, because of... So peat is this, like, essentially, like, freshly dead kind of stuff. Like, it's on its way to becoming, like, a carbon. Um, Mm. So it's this, like, organic material that is in the process of breaking down. And through that, there's a lot of heat release. And then when it mixes kind of with the coolness of the air, there's sort of, like, this, like, expanding and contracting tendency. Uh And so, like, it's it ends up being this kind of, like, quicksand-like tendencies where it's like very okay easy to like sink into and just like there's a lot of sort of like uneven distribute distribution of like um water content that sounds exactly like what's happening (laughs) 
essentially you're so right yeah it's it's dangerous to be outside at night and it right yeah soil will get you i guess so that it, it is it's brought up a, a fair amount is like you got to be careful stay on the track like path don't go too far it's dangerous mm-hmm. so so jonna goes back inside and then we jump to kind of the next morning people are waking up and so we hannah wakes up and she's starting to feel like her and charlie have underlying marriage issues like there's 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 stuff that they, she's thinking this has been here for or maybe we're kind of seeing it through her perspective. Mm-hmm. There are issues that have been there for a while, but she's just she's just realizing them now. It's not like they started now. They've been there for a while. And so she kind of she needs to get outside. She needs to get out of that room, not be around Charlie. So she gets out, goes out for a walk through the cemetery. She's just thinking to go for a walk and she I think um, Eva points her in one direction, but she kind of gets struck and goes through the cemetery and she comes across one of the, most of the graves are pretty old, but she comes across one that's like pretty well upkept. It's got like flowers in front of it. It's a Darcy Malone. And so she's thinking it must've been a young girl and the inscription says lost to the sea. Ooh. Okay. Young girl. Okay. Sea. Seaweed. Young boys. School everything's connected i feel like at the end it's just gonna happen and you're gonna be like yeah nothing was connected to anything <laughs> we'll see we will <laughs> so so hannah calls her mom she there's like Eva's given her directions to a spot on the island that there's reception so she calls her mom to find out how the kids are doing because her mom's taking care of her kids and she realizes while she's talking to olivia Right. She realized while she's talking to her mom who Olivia reminds her of, and it's her her sister Alice. And both Hannah and her mom are kind of talking about how this time of year is really difficult for both of them. Okay. So I think it's like September-ish, like early fall. Then Eva is kind of, she's outside setting up the marquee, like the tent in the morning, getting ready for the wedding, when Will comes in looking for some of the ushers because they're all starting to get dressed. And she knows that the questions that he's asking her are meant to be charming, but she can't help but feel uncomfortable. And he like, you know, puts his hand on her shoulder to be like, you're doing a great job. And she feels like he leaves it there like a second too long. So this she's... is Jules and Charlie? No, this is Aoife and Will. Okay. Will comes in looking for the usher as well. Aoife is setting up the marquee for the wedding reception. Oh, and he's being skeezy. A little bit. Like not... Not like overly... Not... No, he, she just is getting this, like, underlying feeling of, like, she doesn't want to be near him, and she's not sure why. Okay. Oh, no, we're back to the present. So the ushers are kind of out in the wind. They've, like, taken these torches and are out together, and they've been joking a little bit before about, like, what they're going to find. But the more they keep looking and just, like, how dark it is, how windy it is and stormy, they're starting to get a little scared about what might they find. Like, what if it is something bad? Okay just quickly quickly you know teasing us with that i mean i think it is going to be something bad um that's my <laughs> expert opinion but i we, don't know Bryn. i mean <laughs> you know if i'm if i'm gonna stake my claim on anything it's like this is <laughs> it's gonna be bad that's like okay yeah For, foreshadowing is, <laughs> is present here i mean i see it it it's gonna happen i believe I really don't know. I don't know if you're right, but we'll see. Hmm. (laughs) 
So, so we've got, this is, you know, we've got a lot of jumping around here. So we're back with Jules. She's getting ready for her big day. You know, she's decided to do her own makeup because she's like such a perfectionist. She couldn't possibly leave, leave it up to anyone else to do for her. And she's got out her makeup bag when she finds that note that she had been like had been delivered to her house the other day. Mm-hmm. She had stuffed it in her makeup bag and kind of forgotten about it. And it kind of freaks her out a bit. And she's like, why didn't I get rid of this to begin with it and tears it up into a bunch of pieces. Okay. Back to the ushers at the present day where they're, they're, you know, they're out searching. Okay. And they're kind of comparing this search that they're doing to survival because, you know, they're out in the pitch dark. They can't see anything, that kind of thing. And something and bad is coming, which happened then, in my opinion. That's that's how, like, maybe how they're feeling. But they're kind of, I think one of them, maybe it's Angus or Duncan, is realizing how messed up survival was. So I don't know if this is the first time or if it's just the first time he's vocalizing it. But they're kind of saying out loud, that was pretty messed up what we went through. Okay. And then they go, they say that, well, one, it was messed up for everyone. But also the fact that a kid had died... And that no one had stopped, like it had survived, the survival game had kept going. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. They're also thinking and talking to themselves how Charlie had been pretty messed up after the stag. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the reason they're thinking that is so they're thinking, okay, if something did happen, who could have done, like who would have done something? And they're thinking, okay, Charlie was pretty messed up after the stag. He might be kind of off, off or something. And so then like- Olivia has been acting right this whole time like she seems she seems off so mm-hmm. maybe there's something wrong with her and she's done something okay so they're talking about like this time who could have done it yes yeah okay. correct then i think someone turns around and realizes that freddie is coming up behind them and he's got something in his hand and then it kind of leaves leaves that as a cliffhanger oh no what is it murder does he have murder in his like what okay <laughs> So we, we leave that on a cliffhanger and we come back to Olivia, who is just full of anxiety about the wedding. She doesn't, she's like thinking, she, she can't even force herself to put on the bridesmaid's dress. Like she's so worked up and she goes, to, she decides that she hadn't finished her story with Hannah the night before. And she decides like it would just feel better to have it all out in the open. So she goes up to find Hannah to kind of finish the story. But when she gets she upstairs, no. Not okay. not quite that Damn it. <laughs> She hears Hannah and Charlie are fighting in their room. So she kind of realizes, of course, Charlie's going to be there and kind of loses all her confidence and goes back downstairs. Okay. So does she, she just overhears it, right? Like she's not, she doesn't see anything. Yeah. No. And there's no, I don't think there's anything necessarily said or not nothing that we know about that okay. gets said that she hears. But she just hears them like, not agreeing with each other yeah disagreeing yeah. With you. Kind of thing, raised, raised voice it voices not happy with each other mm-hmm. and so she goes back to her room and she's kind of she can see at the window the boats with the guests for the wedding are starting to arrive and she feels like they're bringing like this bad something bad to the island but as she's sitting there she's realizing to herself that they're not bringing the bad thing the bad thing is her for what she's done, she's a bad person. Okay. So she's done something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so Aoife, as the boats are rising, arriving, maybe like the last boat has gotten there. So Aoife, the wedding planner, goes to thank the boat captain for his work. 
And he says, there's a storm brewing. There's a storm coming later. And she goes, really? Like the weather isn't calling for it. And he says, look out there. And there's just, you can see the gray clouds forming coming towards them. So that's got to be on their minds. That's uh, the pathetic fallacy, right? That's the like English lit term for it. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the thing where like the weather matches the like mood. Ah, okay. I think that's what it's called. Honestly, I again didn't pay attention in class. So, (laughs) well, yes, whatever you mean, correct. That is what this is probably. There's a a storm coming in more than one way. So all the ushers are up in the up in Will's room, or maybe I think they're in a guest room getting dressed. And Jono, I think before the other guys get there, Jono tells Will that he's honored to be his best man. And we're getting Jono's inner monologue, and he's saying that Will hadn't actually told him that he was engaged. Jono had read about it in the paper, and then it invited Will out for drinks, and then offered himself up to be the best man so he had said I think he had said something like well of course I'll be your best man and then a couple beats later Will says you took the words right out of my mouth or something like that like it's a little weird okay so he's just like that confident yeah yeah I can't imagine doing that but there you go he went and did it (laughs) I mean this is how you get invited to the wedding, right? Like you just, you stalk people on the internet. You find out when they're getting engaged. And then before they have time to say anything to anyone, you show up at their house, just like Uber it, like Uber X or whatever the fast one is. And then you say, oh my God, I totally love to be your person in wedding. I don't know. Your insert position here. Yeah. So, so we did it. And he's the best man now. I mean, clearly. (laughs) I think Will says all the right things. Like, of course, like, who else would I have chosen? So all the ushers come into the room to get dressed. And they're talking about that seaweed trick that they used to pull on the younger boys at Trevelyan's. Mm Because I guess the school was near a um, the ocean. So they could, like, go out and get seaweed and put it in the kids' beds. And so Jono is thinking about one kid one particular kid who was like one of the younger boys that they had always called loner. Like they'd never called him by his real name Mm -hmm. and how he had idolized the older boys. Like he had, he'd really idolized Will. And so, you know, he would started styling his hair the same way Will did and that kind of thing. So like a little obsessive? A little bit. And Will, Will kind of brings up as they're talking about that. He says that last night wasn't funny about like with the seaweed in their bed in the in will's bed Mm -hmm. but all the ushers including jono like everyone denies they're all like i didn't do that that like i would never have done something like that Mm -hmm. of course not so meanwhile jules is you know she's getting ready by herself and she's bought herself like this gold crown to wear for her wedding Mm -hmm. so she puts that on like the final touch and then she goes down to meet her dad and for some reason, she, this is the first time her dad is meeting Will, which okay. they had a really quick, fast engagement. So it's not like it's been that long, but her, you know, but still the fact that her dad had never met her fiance seems pretty crazy. And so she wants, she decides she wants her dad's opinion of Will. On the day she's getting married. On the day she's getting married. And he doesn't say that he doesn't like Will, but he doesn't say that he likes Will. He's kind of like going like, you know, 
Um, you seem like you really like him or, or things like that, like beating around the bush. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of going like, why are she keeps pushing to be like, no, I really want to know. And he's trying to tell her like, why are you, why do you want to do this right now? Like why right now? And so she's getting pissed off because she's realizing that her dad doesn't approve of her husband, like her choice in husband mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so she goes upstairs and she smashes a vase against the wall, which we're understanding now that's something she used to do, but has been really trying to control her anger and didn't want Will to see her do anything like that. So she, she used to smash vases or like she used to have anger problems? Anger problems. Or okay. she probably still does, but she's been trying to control them. So okay. just smashing things in general. I think like one of her like way of her release is just to throw something against a wall. Okay. So she comes back down feeling feeling a little better, but you know, there's a little bit of something still mm-hmm. in her. And but as they go down the aisle, she kind of like sees Will and like sees sees all these people around and how like perfect her wedding is feeling and she's she's happy again. Yes. Okay. Of course. I, I relate to when things come together and you're just like, it's fine, it's fine. Nothing nothing else matters. It's it's all for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly how she's feeling. Mm-hmm. So as as um, Jules is walking down the aisle, Hannah is is watching this happen, and it's weird. Again, I don't know anything about weddings, but the fact that her husband is the best man, I would think, even though she's not part of the wedding party, she'd sit with her husband. But no, she's sitting at like the back of the church, where Charlie is at the front, mm-hmm. and so she's the you know the ceremony goes well and then everyone all the whole wedding party goes to take pictures so she's trying to mingle by herself and she ends up talking to will's parents and she goes to the dad like oh you must be so proud of your son and he kind of goes like proud and she goes yeah for like the wedding and the tv show and he he basically is like well it's not a real profession is it wow he's a great guy there was ever a time he used the word classic yeah She, we, we've, again, this is another thing that's come up before, but in the book, but I haven't mentioned, uh, Will's dad was the headmaster of the boys' school Trevelyans. Okay. That's like a, oof, okay. So his, you know, a lot of like. Like stuffy. Will, yeah. And Will had to, he had to impress him kind of thing. Like he couldn't, all the other boys, none of their parents were around, but Will's dad was there all the time. Yeah. And clearly is not proud or impressed by his son. No matter. It doesn't seem like whatever he does. Yeah. I don't know that. Sad. Yeah. So she gets away from him. Hannah gets away from him, luckily. And she's still mingling with people. And when the wedding party kind of gets back from pictures, there's a new usher that's just arrived that day. And he's joking about how... uh, He's joking with Charlie about being like, oh, we weren't too bad to you on the stag, were we? Ha 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 ha. And so Hannah tries to ask what happened um, after, like, Charlie and Hannah kind of walk away. And she's like, what happened on the stag? And he snaps at her and goes, like, I don't want to effing talk about it. Which okay. makes her realize, like, he's never like that. She knows he's been drinking. That's the kind of side of him that comes out. Okay. So Jono is also not feeling great at this party. He's being around everyone from school and all how successful they all are makes him feel even worse. He was never, I think he had gotten to go to the school on a scholarship. So he was never, he never had rich parents like a lot of these people did. Mm -hmm. And so he's thinking about that kid that they called Loner again. 
and he's thinking about how bad they treated him and how what they would do is like he the kid kind of like followed them around a little bit again because he like idolized these like older boys like he looked up to them mm-hmm. and so they'd make him do like menial tasks like shine their rugby boots or clean their room or you know steal food for them things like that mm-hmm. and he would do it every time until one time when it was too far sorry <laughs> well he kind of we just cut he just cuts off there like that's he's just thinking about it yes just just wandering thought yeah so then he's i think Char, uh, not charlie sorry john was like on his own when that tv show producer Pier, pierce comes up to him and he kind of is they're talking a little bit about it and he says oh it was it was our loss that we didn't get you on the tv show and i think john says with all due respect what the hell are you talking about because from his point of view, the TV show had turned him down. Mm-hmm. But we cut away from that, so stay tuned. What do you think is going to happen? So. I mean, with that, and like, I mean, I can say, I totally had this thought before, and obviously you believe me because hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, but what <laughs> it sounds like is that um, Jono auditioned, and then um, they wanted him from this conversation. And then uh, Will was like, I would say feels threatened, but that's just my impression. And then was like, yeah, I'll definitely tell him. Like I totally tell him like that. Cause he's my friend and then turns uh, around yeah. and like the next day was like, yeah, he didn't want to, because like, I don't know he was afraid that he would outshine him or like that maybe this weird repressed trauma that they all share um, would come up or like that somehow it would, like it was not something that Will wanted, so he prevented it from happening is kind of my thought process. Okay. Were you just asking about that or are you asking about like the whole thing? There's so many Yeah, thoughts. let's just start with that. <laughs> we've, we've got a good amount to go. Unless there's anything like in particular that you want to talk about. No, I think I'm like this all this loner thing coming up. I'm just like, I'm imagining him like just doing a lot of like, one day they'll be my friends and like rocking back and forth and then like just being like hi i'm will now and then like doing some like i don't know just just going a little mm. nuts at this crazy school because it seems like it'd yeah. be super easy to go crazy there i bet i bet so we we got Eva's perspective she's also having a hard time with with all of this with the with the kind of wedding going on mm-hmm. and it kind of Again, she doesn't outright say this. We're kind of getting from her inner monologue. It sounds like her whole family is buried on this island okay. in, the, in the cemetery. and Including so Darcy? Possibly. She doesn't, like, again, she doesn't really say that. You're just, you're you're picking this up and kind of trying to, basically yeah. what she's saying is like, this, this is like, it's like sacred ground to her. And the fact that all of these people are like traipsing around all over the place. Just like getting drunk and her. being. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah kind of just not treating things with the respect that she would and she just she she's she's getting comfort from her husband Freddie to to help her through this and be like we're it's just the one day we're just gonna we're gonna get through this we're gonna get through this interesting and they're doing this like for money essentially right like this is what they do with the island is like they rent it out for events and stuff so this is the first time they're renting it out. And I think the idea is that they, they, they should get enough publicity because of the t- like Will's a TV star. And, yeah, because they're prominent. Uh, yeah. magazine. So I think she's done wedding planning before, but never on this island. Okay. But the idea is that this is like the beginning of their business. Okay. 
so like a lot is is hanging on this kind of yeah 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 it needs to go well so and no one's having a good time from from the people we're getting perspectives obviously people are having a lot of fun but we, i feel we like that fifth Olivia. wife is just like live in peak life she's just like i get to go to this fun island with my old boyfriend yeah. and or husband <laughs> i guess sorry and she, she doesn't know anyone or care yeah <laughs> Olivia's already been having a tough time, but she's now having to answer all these questions from relatives about like, how's university? How's your boyfriend? Like, No one knows anything. And so she can't, oh my gosh, it's just trapping her. And so she gets away from everything and goes down to one of the beaches around the island. Mm -hmm. And she has her razor with her in her purse. And so she, she cuts her thigh again. And it reminds her of the procedure and how the spotting had just continued for weeks afterwards. Okay. And, and so an here, abortion, or does she just use the word procedure? And then we go, she oh, just spotting. Word procedure, yeah. And then it's kind of, we're inferencing mm-hmm. as the audience. But then she kind of goes on to share a little bit more of her story. And so she had found, this is again her inner monologue. She had found out she was pregnant while at school. And when she had tried to call Stephen, he had blocked her calls. He had not answered them and then blocked them. Okay, so this is like post Callum, but like and after Stephen as well. Yeah. So so it's Stephen. I think she left a voicemail, so like he knew and was choosing to not to ignore her. Mm -hmm. And so, luckily, her mom had been, I'd say, very supportive. Had driven up all the way up to where she was at school, taken her to an abortion clinic, and then brought her home Mm -hmm. to, to to rest. And she had been so mad for her. Like she kind of was saying, if I knew Callum's last, she, she doesn't know about Stephen because Olivia yeah. never told him. If she had, she's kind of saying, if I knew Callum's last name, like I'd kill him. I'd like, I'd for, for what he's done, like how he's treating you. Callum more like kill him. Am I right? <laughs> oh gosh. Ren. Honestly, <laughs> you, you should just feel lucky you don't work with me. It's just like constantly just such bad dad jokes like all the time anyway sorry just just to interject my bad humor in his murder so she's how she's thinking through all these things again and she she feels like she just needs to be in the water and so she starts walking out into the ocean with her with her dress on and suddenly she's like i wonder if this is what it feels like to be drowning and then she realizes she is drowning oh no okay is it like because she doesn't, does she just like not know how to swim or was she just like letting go too much? I I think it's more like she's still in a dress. Uh, it's maybe the undercurrent a little bit. Mm. I, I don't think this was purposeful. I think she was so in her head and then suddenly she was like, you know, neck deep in the water or whatever. Like she, she was, she was out too far. Mm-hmm. Okay. So meanwhile, Jules, Jules has just gotten back from the, the photos with her and Will and she's so she's kind of looking at how like everyone enjoying themselves and she's so happy that she's created this event that people are going to remember like that was her goal yeah then suddenly there's a commotion by one of the cliff's edge and everyone's kind of like looking out to the sea and she gets to the front of the crowd and realizes it's olivia and so she starts running and i think there's a couple other people running down to the beach and by the time she gets there will has already swam out and is rest like has br- is bringing olivia back to shore mm-hmm and so she gets back and Jules is livid. She's so mad that Olivia is doing this. She feels like she's just doing it for attention. 
and Hannah kind of tries to say, like, I don't think Olivia's all right. And Jewel snaps at her and says, you know, Olivia already has a mother. She doesn't need another one type attitude. Mm-hmm. Mean- meanwhile, Olivia's like, can't even get words out. And is like, um, Jules realizes she's looking at her like almost pleadingly. And it, it kind of st- makes her think a little bit, but but not enough. Because again, she's still in this like wedding mode. Wait, sorry. So Jules is looking at Olivia pleadingly. Olivia, Jules is recognizing that Olivia is looking at her almost pleadingly. Mm, okay. But obvi- like cl- she's in shock, clearly. Yeah. From from this cold, cold ocean, ocean. water. Yeah. And almost drowning. And Jules is like in her 30s? Yeah, she's mid-30s. Okay. And Olivia's 19. Correct. Okay, yeah. cool. So there's like approximately like 15, 16 years between them. Yeah, somewhere around there. Okay, cool. Just checking. <laughs> so Jono is like watching Will rescue Olivia and he's like, yeah, of course, you always make yourself look so good to everyone else. But Jono knows the truth. And he has just learned from the TV producer that the show wanted him. They wanted Will and Jono as like the, you know, beautiful Will and kind of more rugged Jono. They thought they would have made a great TV duo mm-hmm. and that they're they both him and the TV producer had realized that the producers didn't have Jono's email. They only had Will's email. Uh-huh. And so Will had told, as you said, Will had told Jono, sorry, mate, you didn't get the part. Like, this is real too bad. And then to the producers had told them, ah, oh, Jono just, you know, he did some soul searching and realized like TV just wasn't for him. Yep. Classic Will, if if you will. And so Jono is realizing that the reason Will did this is that the show Survive the Night was Jono's idea. And Will knew if he got rid of Jono too soon, Jono would spill all his secrets. And so that's why he kind of had to wait for the perfect moment to be able to blame it on someone else blame sorry i i think i zoned out for a sec so the idea for the show survive the night was mm-hmm. will's or it was, was jono's jono's idea oh, okay and so will just get rid of jono like take the idea and make a tv show without jono because mm-hmm. john was kind of thinking to himself i know i know so much about him i have so many secrets that i could spill yeah so instead i could destroy he him <laughs> it, it, he doesn't say that but that's the idea Instead, Will gets kind of the TV producers, quote unquote, to dismiss Chano. So yeah. Will doesn't have to do it. Yeah, okay. So he's like protecting himself, essentially. Basically, yeah. It's like the idea, yeah. So so Hannah had been told to back off by Jules, but she still kind of seeks out Olivia to make sure she's all right. And she finds her like, you know, shivering in her room with no one around her. It's just ridiculous how this girl keeps getting left by herself. But yep, there you go. And so... Hannah tells Olivia the story of her sister and she tells her how her sister Alice had been you know the smart one in the family she had been the first of their family to go to university and when she'd gotten there she had had her first boyfriend and you know things started cooling off she'd realized she wanted to focus more on school and so she had broken it off with the boyfriend but he had not taken it taken it well at all and had released like revenge porn to the internet i i have no words i think that's like just such scum like you know yeah like oh my gosh totally i just yeah sometimes i really don't have words and i just i i mean i don't want like 
the version of me on the internet to just be someone who's swearing and being like, oh, like, what a, you know, like. No, but it's just, it, uh, yeah. That's exactly how I, was, I was feeling. Like, I was reading this book, and it's like, you you feel so mad at kind of the world, at just, like, any person who thinks that's okay. Yeah, I have no <sighs> words for that. It is it's frustrating that that exists in in this world. Yeah. Oh, totally. So, anyway, so he was a jerk and just a so bad person. So, so what, uh, what Hannah is kind of describing is that Alice hadn't felt like she could confide in anyone. She had, she hadn't felt like she could tell anyone, even Hannah, her own sister. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to tell Olivia, it's just better to get it out in the open. Like it's, it's you'll, you you won't realize that like you can get another perspective if you talk to someone else about it. Mm-hmm. And what she isn't able to tell Olivia, because I think there's a, an announcement that the dinner is starting, is that Alice had never been able to tell them about this. And one day when her mother was taking Hannah to, to some sports practice, mm-hmm. she had taken all the pills she could get a hold of from their medicine cabinet and OD'd. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's why Hannah's like really struggle her and her mom and I'm sure their whole family struggle at this time of year because it was it was after the summer when Alice when all of this had kind of gone down and her sister had died Mm -hmm. and that was like so she was in university but was home yeah Yeah, so she she's kind of similar to Olivia had dropped out of university after all of this had happened okay Um, so very parallel stories very parallel, yeah. And there, there's a little more background that I'll share because just it is really sad. Mm-hmm. She had been, she'd always wanted to be go into politics and be a politician, mm-hmm. and they kind of realized this afterwards. But they again, Alice wasn't talking to anyone about it. She had realized that she could never be a politician with that kind of a video online. It would just her career could never take off with that always looming over her. Interesting. And so that had been the thing she wanted most in the world, and it had kind of been taken away from her. Mm-hmm. I mean, in all reality, I'm pretty sure in, like, Nevada, there's, like, four or five different, like, private dancers who have become, or no, there was a case in, like, sorry, not a case, there was um, a constituency in, like, Montreal, right, where there was somebody who was working down in Las Vegas, who was, like, a stripper, and became, like, the NDP representative or something, because they had a lot of, like, vacancies for, like, younger people but yeah so it yeah, is possible yeah. and like I don't know I think a, a lot fewer people are caring about that not that that has anything to do with the story but no yeah. but you're right it's it's good to talk about because it it's one of those topics it's just like I guess like taboo and you're right I think it was more not that she it, it's true her well, dreams were like so much harder right yes and she also they didn't re- they just the family didn't realize that Alice was a really anxious person mm. and she just couldn't cope with it on her own and wasn't talking to anyone about it. So no, they weren't able to offer this help because they didn't, re- none, no one knew what had happened. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's like, yeah, if you're not talking to people about it and like, that is such a massive thing to happen. Sorry. Oh I think gosh. just like my, like, um, what it, like mental health training advisor person is like turned <laughs> on, but it's like, if you're, yeah, if you have stuff going on and you're not talking to somebody about it, like even like very banal stuff, like it just builds up and builds up. Right. So like, yeah, I mean, yeah, right. It is, yeah. It 
No, it's, it's, it's literally, yeah, not, doesn't like not therapy, just like literally talking about it out loud. Yeah. Even just like, I mean, I know sometimes when I'm having like a really bad day or like, I mean, specifically when I'm home alone, I will like talk to my dog and be like, oh, like this thing happened today. And just to like, he'll like look at me and he'll be like, oh yeah. yeah. Like, obviously he says nothing, but he'll just like, (laughs) and I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, thanks bro. Like you really hashed it out there. It's like, you just need something to say sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, to bounce something off of so that so that's that's H- hannah's hannah's trying to like pass that on to olivia because she sees her sister in olivia and yeah needs needs to do something she can't just sit silent well also she appears to be the only person who's like noticing these escalating like situations Correct. and everybody else Very is just weird. like it's a wedding yeah. like, oh my god Focus on jewels. <laughs> yeah exactly so Aoife has seen all of this like with the drowning and she can't just can't help but go back to that day when she had been powerless and so Freddie is again comforting her with Darcy I'm gonna keep guessing things feel free to just like motor on it's like totally fine <laughs> let's do it <laughs> we're, we're getting no we're not even close but we're, we're getting there. great <laughs> and then we jump to the, the present evening it's now the wedding day but we're jumping back to the ushers kind of searching in the in the dark of night yes and freddie had been approaching them with something in his hand yes and it turns out just a torch like it's just a flashlight oh is he like holding it weird or like he must be right because otherwise like that would look like a light it would be normal yeah but he kind of tells them like you guys should you should really come back to the mark the marquee the tents it's so dark out so windy like we don't want there to be another accident we've called the police already Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing he says is the reason they called the police is because the waitress who had, you know, been paralyzed, yeah. Kind of screamed, yeah, she says she had, she thought she'd seen a second person roaming around like another person. And so they're worried that there's basically someone's on the loose murdering people possibly, but the, the these ushers, they, they're not listening. They're like, you know, sure i'm not, we're fine we're all together and they keep searching mm-hmm. but they they've gone i who knows how long they've been walking for after freddie leaves when they realize they can't find pete they've lost him okay and is the storm like happening now is that what like the wind is about it's so it's not raining it's just super 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 windy okay but yes it is it's kind of like it's touched down okay. to some degree so back to back to you know, we're, we're in the marquee for dinner, and now it's time for speeches. So Jewel's dad is up first, and this she's is like kind of like back to not them searching. Like, this is correct. Back yeah, in yeah. Time. Okay, cool. Back in time. So Jewel's is her dad's up, and she's kind of thinking, should she even let, it, let him give a speech? Um, but she's, and she knows he knows this. She looks up, she wants his approval so bad. Like, that was part of the reason that she told people that she had chosen to have her wedding on this island is her dad is Irish and really connected to his roots. Like when he toasts, he uses Guinness, not champagne. Yes. Irish things. That was one of the the reasons she had been telling people, but the real reason is that her dad had cut her off, like stopped giving her money. And so she, she knew she needed the wedding to look really expensive. So she had spent all her money on things that people would visually see like candles or the cake and things like that um and she had put out like an advertisement online saying she'd look she's looking to host she needs a wedding venue and was asking people to like pitch their venue mm-hmm. and Eva 
had pitched this island and the reason Jules had chosen it for the most part was it was really cheap and they had given her a 50% off discount. Okay. Um, and she's kind of, she she thinks to herself, great business move by Aoife because she knows she's going to publish it in her magazine and that Will's going to, it's going to be talked about on TV. Mm-hmm. So that happens. And so Jules' dad gives the speech and honestly, pretty good speech. Like he does all the right things that the mom didn't do the night before, like saying that he's proud of her and that she's such a like strong woman, all, like all these great qualities, etc. So, so honestly, I think it's a pretty good speech. From the number of weddings that you've been to, it's definitely in the top yeah. 10. I, I would say definitely top 10. Honestly, maybe top five. Okay, okay. So it's, it's, it's up there. It's a good one. Oh, yeah. So then Will gets up to give his speech and he's telling, this is from Olivia's point of view. So he's telling the story of how him and Jules had met and he's saying how he had been a plus one to her magazine party one year. Uh Uh-huh. Long ago they had gotten together and that his, his, uh, his friends that had brought him along had had to leave early and that he Uh just chanced to go back into the party. Okay. So a hundred percent Will is Steven. Like there's too mm-hmm. many coincidences. And then when it turns out that this is wrong, I just I feel like Steven got there and then she was being drunk and he was like, Oh, I could just get with this other rich lady not knowing that they were siblings. And then the whole thing mm-hmm. about um Steven slash Will getting uh Livia pregnant. Yeah, and that's like what mm-hmm. why he wasn't calling because mm-hmm. he was like this crazy thing. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't seen an inter. I mean, I don't remember an interaction between Livia and Will yet, except that Livia keeps like being at the main thing with people and then being like, "I need to get going." And I guess right. like he saved her from the ocean, but mm-hmm. I mean, even if you like dump somebody. I guess you like still don't want them to die at their sister's wedding. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. He met her as a plus one and his the person whom he accompanied had to leave. Right. So you're correct. And we find out like next page, Olivia's thinking about how she hadn't met Jules's fiance until after they had been engaged. And so mm-hmm. they had come over to the house. And when they had walked through the door, she had realized Will was Steven. Um, he had used a fake name on the dating app. Yeah, because he's a player. Um, yeah, like that's what he'd been doing. And, and everyone thought that. Everyone thought like he's a player, kind of shocked that he's settling down. And so Olivia had kind of seen him walk through the door and it immediately like felt sick to her stomach and had run up to the bathroom and had kind of just told, basically had couldn't tell Jules the truth. Like she had been keeping the secret from everybody and felt like she couldn't tell it now. And Will had used that kind of as an opportunity to pretend he had never met Olivia before. And it's now been too long. Like, Mm -hmm. she's kind of thinking no one would believe me at this point. And was this, do we know if this was like after the pregnancy and abortion stuff? Yes, afterwards. Okay. So this isn't like her real life. Like, this would be like a perfect moment for her to be like, oh, like I was immediately sick. And it was morning sickness, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. But. No, she, she's just so shocked to see this this guy that she was you know, involved in, involved with. Right. Right, right, right. Okay. So, so then it's Jono's turn, the best man, to give his speech. And 
Hannah feels when he's kind of starting to talk that there is a dangerous edge to his voice. Yeah, because he's freaking pissed at Will. Yeah. So he tells the truth about his suit and says that, you know, Will had taken him out to this fancy suit store and he thought, you know, Will was like going to buy him the suit. Like that's what that's what a groom does for his best man. And but no, when they got into the till, Will had stepped aside for Jono to pay and Jono had been like, I don't make this much money. Like this is too expensive. And so it returned the suit later mm-hmm. and then faked it. He didn't, he kind of hadn't wanted anyone to know, but now he's telling everyone in his speech. So this is another instance of him being like, oh, why am I saying this? Or is, does no, he just not care? It feels calculated. He, okay. I think he's kind of trying to show like, look at, look at, look at like, how he really is. You look at how he really is. Right. And so he tells that. And then he says, he kind of looks to Will and goes, you'd never screw me over, right, Will? And okay. Will says, Definitely the no, time and place. Not. Yeah. And uh, Jono kind of laughs and goes, yeah, of course you wouldn't. We know too much about each other. Mm-hmm. And then he says, like, for old time's sake, you know, let's play a bit of survival. And cl- the, clearly the ushers and Jono have planned this out beforehand because the ushers come up and they all tie Will up with their, like, ties and blindfold him and then carry him out of the marquee. Okay, so marquee. he is gone so like he could be the body okay anyway sorry yeah yes they've brought him out so so the men all they carry him out to the cave and then they leave him there and they all leave except for Jono, who stays behind to confront will about the tv show Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like i know i know what you did you're you you really thought you of course you thought you could get away with him and he's he's kind of saying, you know, Will, you're able to carry on like no, nothing ever happened to us. Meanwhile, I I can never forget. Like that's why I smoke to try and forget, but I can't forget what happened. Okay, are we gonna find out what happened? No, we're gonna jump cut to a new perspective. Why would I just tell Darn. you, Bryn? <laughs> so we've gone to to Hannah's perspective, and she's seeing like all the ushers coming back into the room, and then there's like a commotion, and Charlie is hitting one of the ushers, Duncan. And so she okay. kind of gets him away and is like, what is going on? And he says he's he was making fun of me about the stag again. And so now he starts to tell her what had happened on the stag. And so it had been, they had all like gone to Stockholm and then taken a ferry out to like the archipelago, like an island somewhere out okay. there. And they had, you know, he had, he had been the odd man out already. Like he was the only one who hadn't gone to the same school. They were kind of making fun of him for like not drinking enough. Mm-hmm. And so someone had passed around a bag of mu- magic mushrooms. And so he had a few, everyone had had some and they had taken some canoes out and gone like skinny dipping together. And then someone had dared him to go swim to another island. And by the time he got back, all of them were gone. They had left him there naked and alone in the dark on an, a random island. Mm-hmm. And so he had started to be like coming off the high from the mushrooms. He was like freezing. He thought he was going to get hypothermia and die. And so when they finally came back for him, he was laying on the ground crying. So it's like this, like, you know, huge embarrassment for him. And so that's what, that's why they keep making fun of him. Yeah. Crazy that someone would be like a, a little upset about that. Yeah. Right. Like I totally wouldn't be upset at all. I wouldn't care. I mean, yeah. Stockholm is like, in the nordic i just like those waters must be so cold I no mean, exactly like, as he's like it was the summer but it's still the arctic circle yeah i i fully know those waters are cold like yeah <laughs> flex but like you know humble <laughs> hashtag humble brag 
yeah that's horrible I would I'd be so upset anyway yeah yeah and he tries to so Charlie's trying to tell Hannah that he thinks that Will was like the ringleader and Hannah it's like you must be joking Will like maybe Jono or someone like that and so then they get into this whole fight because Charlie's saying like I saw you looking at him last night like you you like him like you're you have a crush on him that's why you don't believe me mm-hmm. and Hannah kind of goes oh yeah you don't have a life to stand on uh, and then she asks have you slept you have you and Jules slept together mm-hmm. and Charlie can't lie so he says yes but it was a long time ago and Hannah asks when you were teenagers and he says no and she goes when we were together and he says yes and she ends up finding out that Charlie and Jules had slept together right after she had given birth to their first son when she had, he was, he, and Charlie's trying to say like, well, you, you know, you were distant and like, you know, we weren't, we weren't having sex. Cause and I you know, just like, had a baby. Oh my God. Because I had postpartum depression and my stitches hadn't healed yet. That's men. So, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Yeah. I'm not mad. I just, there's I, so much of this that I like, this is going to be deep breaths of me just being like, this is dumb. People are mean and stupid and crazy. Just that, yeah, that anyone can be so caught up in their own selves and not like see how other people are doing or like recognize, my gosh, my gosh. So, you know, we're upset. Clearly Hannah is also pissed as well. And so they kind of part ways, not amicably. Yeah. Best way of putting it. And so that's that for now. Meanwhile, Jono is kind of in the cave with Will and he's he's going, we're now getting the entire story of what had happened with that kid that they called Loner. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what's been weighing on Jono's mind and making him have nightmares. And you know, he can't he can't function anymore because of this this thing that happened while they were at school. Because they accidentally and, took it too far. I'm so excited to hear that. Like, oh man. So that's the thing, is like you kind of you're thinking I'm I'm gonna tell you but think of it in the light of was it an accident or was it on purpose mm, okay so you know they would get loner this this kid loner to perform these like t- you know menial tasks for them so one of them I think uh John Oudat said like go clean our room because he couldn't think of anything else to do and while this kid was cleaning the room he had found the solutions for the big test that the that Will and Jono and their grade were taking later mm-hmm. that Will had stolen from the principal's office. Like it's his dad's office yeah. or whatever. And the kid loner had basically been telling them like, I, you have to return these. You can't keep these. Like he was normally not that confrontational, but for some reason, like the fact that he'd stolen the test res- answers. Just like your deal. Yeah. So that night, Will had told Jono, like, we need to teach him a lesson. Like, I think it's his turn for survival. And so Will and Jono had, you know, kidnapped him that night and taken him out. And Will had, like, directed them to go down the path steps to the a beach. And Jono hadn't really understood why, because it was, like, really, if, once he, like, got on his, himself untied or, like, got his blindfold off, he'd know exactly where he was. Like, it'd be really easy to find. Mm-hmm. But he's thinking maybe, like, Will wants to go easy on him. Unless they, they put the... him in the water. Sorry. Well, so what had happened was they, he realized, oh, Will wants to tie him to the bottom of the steps, like the railing. And so uh-huh. okay. he'd asked, he told Jono to tie the knots, which he had done. And it wasn't till the next morning when Jono had kind of awoken and realized, oh my gosh, the tide comes in. Mm-hmm. And of course, the this kid had 
not been able to get the knots untied in time and had drowned in the ocean. Okay. So, so John, I was like putting this to Will and being like, you keep like, you keep saying this was an accident or it wasn't our fault, but like we did this. Like I didn't realize at the time what we were doing, but he's kind of like, but like you knew he's not saying that, but he's kind of going like, I think you knew, I think you knew what had happened, what was going on. Okay. So he's just like a psychopath. Yeah. Like this plus like the whole like Livia thing and. I don't know. I think I feel like there's something else that we found out about Will that I was like, oh, you're crazy. Anyway. So so this has all happened and then they kind of hear hear someone coming and it's Eva and she's calling for Will because I think it's almost it's like time for dancing or it's almost time to cut the cake or something. She's just come to find him. So mm-hmm. they it sounds like Jono had wanted to do more but was kind of cut off. Mm-hmm. So they get they get back and Jules is really upset with Will. Like why? Basically, she's saying, "Why haven't you cut Jono out of your life yet? He's such a bad influence. Like he's such a he's he's dragging you down." Basically. And why does she think that? Because Will tells her that. Okay. So we jump back to the ushers who are searching in kind of present time in the even um at at night in the storm, and they find Jules' crown, that gold crown, and it's all mangled on the ground okay so let's let's take a break here and tell me what you think's happening what's going on now we'll take another break before we get to the very end but we're getting pretty close now that's super exciting um so when you say mangled on the ground um like is it bloody or like it's just kind of like all like twisted and stuff yeah it's kind of just bent out of shape like stuck in the ground okay so it it catches their eye because it's like shiny you know yeah crowns so I think Will is insane. Okay. And I think like the dark side of me is like thinking that Livia's gonna do like a like it almost seems like she like she's butting up with Hannah and like Hannah's doing like some good work in terms of like being like, hey, <laughs> these are all like big warning signs and like we should be paying attention mm-hmm. to this child that this is happening to. Um and obviously like this mm-hmm. is a huge like traumatic thing with like her whole pregnancy and then like having to watch the guy who quote-unquote did this to her um and like marry her sister so I feel like she's gonna like do some display where she like tries to be and I think she wrote the note too just call back to that and so I feel like she is gonna do this display of like you never loved me kind of like thing to will but like killing herself more than like anybody else or like trying to be like I can be Jules too like that's why like the crown is there Mm. is kind of my thought process just because like she seems to be going through a lot I want to believe that there's like something more and weird about like Charlie and Jules but I think it's just kind of like that she wanted like Jules wanted the approval of her dad and like Charlie being like the lowly sailing teacher teacher or like I don't really know enough I guess about his background to like know if like I think she kind of thought like oh my dad won't be impressed by this I need to find like someone that'll impress him and like because Will is such a insane guy um but like an actor I mean like literally by trade and also in the way that he just like does these like little crazy compartmentalized like event things as we've seen yeah. like this whole like loner kid thing yeah that that's what it's about I for a little bit kind of thought 
that Charlie might be the loner kid, but he is has died a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know, Jono has like some reason to be upset as well. I feel like it's like Eva's just like around for the ride. The whole like they're desecrating the land that like my family did doesn't seem like a big enough kind of reason i don't know why peter's missing though or like what is up with that yeah i feel like that's kind of my thought process right now like i i have a little bit of a thought where like livia's actually jules kid and like i thought that maybe that was like um that's why like jules and charlie like they slept together and then like she had this baby and that's why like Jules's mom is like I'm so great because I like did all these things for Jules like I raised her baby as my own kind of thing but I think that she just has not great parents Mm -hmm. yeah and like that would just add like another layer of like grossness to it of like you slept with my daughter and now you are sleeping with me yeah yeah so that's kind of that's where my head's at Jono seems upset, but, like, I don't think he, like, knew things before this. And I also think that, like, what Will is telling Jules is sort of stuff about, like, himself, but making it sound like it's Jono. Yeah. Which I don't think is, like, a huge leap. Like, I don't think any of these things are huge leaps or anything. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that they're all pretty messed up from this school. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I, I don't, like, I don't even know what the murder is or if there's a murder is there mm-hmm. anything I, like I don't know like I wish I had more questions I, I'll give you more like let's let's go through a little bit more first and then you can see see how you're feeling about your theories yeah to add to them change whatever uh and before I'll give you and then I'll give you a solution after I kind of hope that um Will dies but that's just because I'm not impressed with his personality not that that's like an excuse for him to die Anyway, he'd get off easy if he died. Yeah, I mean, like he doesn't seem to have any part. Like you know how there's that whole thing where like people who are psychopaths like don't have that part of their brain that like feels empathy or like whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like it doesn't seem like him living and being like, yeah, I just caused this train wreck behind me. Like, is having any impact on him? So like, yeah, maybe um, death is the the right way for him to go in terms of like you know not ruining more people's lives because mm-hmm. he's ruined Jono's mm-hmm. and Livia's and like I don't know I guess like not really Hannah's but like a little bit. Tell me more. So so we we kind of cut to Olivia is trying to just drink as much as possible like she's just trying to get through the night mm-hmm. and she at one point falls over and so people are like worried about her and so Will comes up and kind of says oh I'll take her outside I'll get her uh-huh. some fresh air uh-huh. and so they've gone outside and Olivia's telling Will that I'm she's going to tell Jules everything and that she still has the messages on her phone and she's going to show her and she kind of holds up her phone but she immediately realizes a mistake when Will grabs it and throws it off the cliff yep and she's you know she's a drunk and they're kind of going back and forth I think at one point he says you know I have pictures of you that I could share too like if we're talking about ruining each other's lives oh my god is he the boyfriend of Alice or is he also just another jerk Mm. so he starts pulling her to like the cliff's edge what okay (laughs) so I know so so Meanwhile, 
Hannah had decided to like dance with a guy because she's like wants to forget about her husband. She's pretty pissed off. And she she goes to get a drink with him after dancing. And it turns out that he had gone to um, university to Edinburgh with Will, which is the same university that Alice went to, her mm-hmm. sister. So I was right. Through their conversation, it hits her that Will was Alice's boyfriend. So there's like only one psychopath in this world. At least that's like a nice comforting thing. But uh, it's quite <laughs> frustrating that he's just, you know, impacted everyone's life and everyone's yeah. lives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So she, she, we're kind of left with her just trying to start unpack this a little bit. Yeah. Being like, you're the reason why my sister's dead. And, mm, mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so we, we cut to, meanwhile, Jules had followed uh, Will and Olivia outside and she'd kind of been watching them mm-hmm. and something in her had told her not to interrupt. And so she had heard everything. Ooh. Good. She off her crown and stomps on it because she's recognizing what Olivia is going through. But she kind of holds it together, pretends that everything is normal, and goes over to them and kind of is like, "Oh, where'd you guys go? Like, let's go back inside." Mm-hmm. So she is gonna kill Will. I hope. Like, what if just everybody like comes together as a community and is like, "Hey, this person's ruined all of our lives. Um, let's just do this as like a fun activity, bonding." <laughs> Um, and then, like, just like you know, live our live our lives from here. Anyway, sorry. well, we get what we want because the ushers in in present time they find a body, and the body is well. It's wills. Yeah. So we kind of what happens is they kind of they go to cut the cake, and Freddie has told Eva earlier that Jules had asked, like requested him to like really sharpen the knife, and so it's super sharp. He's like, it's gonna cut through the cake like it's butter, mm-hmm. and so. They, they cut the cake and then Jules grabs the piece and shoves it in Will's face, which everyone's kind of like super weirded out about, but it's because she's just so bad and trying not to show it. Yeah. And so he kind of laughs it off and says he's going to go wash, wash his face. And so so she's leaves. created a reason for him to be gone. Sort of. Maybe. Does that like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I anyway. See so the, you know, cake's been cut. I guess people are eating cake. The band starts to play again. People start to dance when the lights go out okay and let all all the people who you've been getting perspectives from they all tell tell it from their perspective or like they cut the cake everyone notices the knife and then the lights go out okay so this is i'll pause here if there's any like there was a lot of new information is there anything more you'd like to talk about in terms of like what i think is happening or like questions that i have all of it yeah okay i won't limit you um I mean like I feel like it's pretty clear in terms of Mm -hmm. like okay here is my like entire theory I'm gonna stick to my Liv is Jules daughter I don't know how long ago Hannah and Charlie had their kid this is like what I want to be true and then I guess like okay what I I can tell you I can tell you that if you'd like to know like their kids ages yes please they're they're like young kids like primary school okay cool so they slept together like five-ish years ago yeah cool so I guess that takes that out of the mix um because I really want it to be that Liv is like their love child but Mm -hmm. I guess like Charlie would be a really bad parent if you like didn't really care at all because like I don't think he's interacting with Livia but yeah Yeah. so I think that Jules uh stabbed him with the knife um and that's why there's so much blood and 
Um, that's why you find his body. And then mm-hmm. I like I would really enjoy if there was like multiple deaths. Like I think it would just make it such a good tragedy. Like I think it's mm-hmm. I'm happy that it's Will's body, as I previously stated. But yeah, so I think that that is it. I think um like Jules really right in the end they're like tuned into like what is up and like why obviously she like she's been acting this way and how like I mean I get how Jules was like upset about it in terms of like just was had blinders on right right and so I think this was kind of her like thing to do for her daughter her like wake up moment yeah and I mean I think that's like pretty fair but also like I don't know I feel like Johnny could kill them but like I don't know it's right there motivation very clear opportunity clear I don't know like who turned out the lights and like I feel like it'd be really obvious though if like the bride just left you know like I feel like people would notice that so maybe it's not her maybe it is Johnny and he like saw the opportunity and like had the motive but yeah I I think I think it's either Jules or Johnny Jono sorry yeah I think I think Livia's just like had it but I don't think she's, like, quite at that point. There might be, like, m- multiple forces at play. Yeah, sense. well, that's what I'm wondering. Um, I don't know, again, if... What I was saying was that I think it'd be really obvious if the bride went missing. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's my reason that, like, it couldn't be Jules. Right. And, like, I understand, like, where Jono's at, I think. Like, cause, but Will didn't really confirm that he knew that what he was doing when they murdered that kid. Yeah. So yeah, I it, I feel like it could be one of the three of them. Hannah is just, I mean, like, actually, Hannah did just find that out. So I feel like that's like a decent motivation. So I feel like maybe, okay, now there's four people. I was gonna be like, oh, like Hannah's only mad at Charlie. <laughs> and Charlie doesn't, to my knowledge, doesn't know any of this. So I feel like he's out of the ring. But then like Pete went missing. So like, what is that about? Aoife, I don't think it's her. Um, Pierce, the producer, whose name I wrote down. Uh, I don't think it's him because we have not seen him since he mentioned something to Jono. And then, like, Jewel's parents are just kind of out of it. And, like, Will's dad is, like, my son, the disappointment. He only murdered one student at my school. Like, come on. So, yeah. Um, I... I'm going to believe that it's Jules, but I'm not going to be surprised when I find out it's Hannah. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Okay. Okay. So I'll give you the kind of solution or the, the rest of the story, I guess. Should I write anything else down? No. Okay. It's, 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 it's time. Okay. Perfect. So, so the lights have gone out. Um, Will, we're kind of getting a little bit of Will's monologue here. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because we haven't heard his perspective this whole book. And he is thinking, he's thinking through, how am I going to tackle these situations? Like, he's kind of like putting up fires, right? He's like, okay, I don't think anyone's going to believe Olivia, so I should be fine there. Jono as well. No one's, no one's going to believe him, like something that happened 20 years ago. But I need to do something about him like gotta work and then I've got to comfort Jules like Jules is starting to get suspicious I really got to focus attention on her mm-hmm. for his, yeah his, I should really focus on my wife Ugh, what a burden yeah <laughs> so he he comes out of the bathroom and is kind of heading back to the uh, the marquee when um I think Aoife kind of catches him and is like hey the lights just went out do you mind like coming over and helping me <gasps> yes and 
So she, she says something along the lines of like, I'm glad I've got you alone, which he kind of is like, oh, is she coming on to me? Like, this is weird. But, but she I'm down for say, it. <laughs> yeah, basically. She kind of starts to talk about like, I, like, I have to talk to you. And she tells him about how her, you know, she had overheard what had happened in the, him and Jono talking in the cave. And so it had made a lot of this a lot clearer for her. Mm-hmm. And that her brother Darcy. was Darcy, the boy they called Loner. Mm-hmm. And that she now knew clearly, like she would always known that he had killed her brother, but now she knew that he felt no remorse for it. Mm-hmm. And she's explaining to him how it's it was ridiculous about what they did and that they got away with it and that they had ruined four lives on that day because her husband, Freddie, was one of Loner's best friends or Darcy's best friends mm-hmm. at the school. And so they had ruined his life. They had ruined her life. Her mother had died shortly afterwards because of the stress and her dad had then died of a heart attack afterwards, again, from the stress. Wow. So he had crushed four people's lives on that day. Well, in addition to, like, yes. Darcy. Darcy and all the other people that clearly he's, like, you know, a tornado ripping people apart yeah. wherever he goes. Just, like, actually everybody, though. Like, what the F? Anyway. Yeah. And so she, he's kind of going, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, none of that happened. I need to get back to the wedding. And she she says something, like, I don't think you do, and stabs him. <gasps> I did not see that coming. Neither did I. <laughs> oh, I just thought all of the yeah. other stuff was like, like all of that, like loner stuff. I was like, this is important. This is important. But then when it came out, I was like, oh, like it just it fuels so many things. And like we see, he's remorseless, and like he's gonna be remorseless in these other things. Yes. But, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. That was yeah. a good one. So, so there's that, and then we kind of get to Jono's the one who finds the body first. He comes comes across Will, and. He thinks he can save him. He kind of realizes how much she loved him when he sees him dead, even though he had been in the cave, he had been planning to kill him as well. Yeah. And he takes the knife out and kind of gets blood all over him. And so when the ushers find Will, they find Jono Mm -hmm. covered in blood with a knife. And when the police get there, they arrest Jono. And I think Jono thinks that he's been in a, he's been in a prison this entire time anyways. Like he's, he's felt so trapped yeah. Uh, that this is this is what he deserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. There is the the guest list by Lucy Foley. Wow. Eva wasn't even on the guest list. <laughs> it's intense. There was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. I really liked that. That was really good. Like, yeah, wow. it's it's it's, uh, it's like a real. It's got that story behind it as well as the mystery, right? Well, yeah, and just like. I don't know as much as like obviously that was like a huge part of his life and like ruined so many other people's lives and like was a huge part of their lives there was just like so much else that he did that like ruined other people's lives like he was just a big tornado and like no wonder his dad was unimpressed with him like I don't think his dad like I don't know again my projections of like I don't know if his dad really knew anything of what he did but like man I think Jono summarizes at one point that like his dad either didn't know which is bad or he did know and he didn't do anything about it which is also horrible yeah so Aoife knew like the whole time was that like part of like why they they made it like so cheap and like they were like obviously come to this island she had offered it so cheap because she wanted to get Will to the island and she had originally been 
planning to just talk to Will, Mm -hmm. but when she had heard how unremorseful he was in the cave, this kind of just happened. Yeah. Interesting. She realized she kind of just thought he couldn't keep, he shouldn't keep living anymore. I mean, I understand that about Persis from a, from a book point of view. I don't know. But yeah. Oh my God. Like that was, that was a lot. So we get, we also get a little bit of an epilogue just in case it doesn't solve all your questions, but it seems like Jules and Olivia are on their way to repairing, maybe starting to repair the relationship. Jules, I think just starts hugging Olivia and crying mm-hmm. because she's realized what she's been through. And on the other hand, uh, Charlie and Hannah, it's unclear whether they're going to be able to resolve their issues. But now they know they're there. Yeah. It's out in the open now. I feel like um, the moral to this story is communication. <laughs> and like, yeah, that's it. if you murder a kid with your best friend, don't wait like 15 years to ask them if they feel bad about it. Find out early. Yeah. Um, and then, like, just, maybe you know, report it to the police. Yeah. Maybe. At least think about it. And, like, if you're going to haze people, have you thought of not? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Th- thank you. Um, and then, like, you know, talk to your sister. I should I should take my own advice. Um, yeah. Talk to your siblings. Um, don't be so caught up in your own stuff. It's not all about appearances. I feel like there's a lot of good morals. <laughs> Talk to your uh, your significant other who you think may have slept with somebody. And um, yeah, after <laughs> someone gives birth, don't be like, oh, you're being such a jerk. Like, why are you acting this way? Because it's, it's a lot going on. And like, yeah, you will never oh, yeah. understand until it happens to you. And like, it just seems crazy. I feel yeah, like I definitely. Yeah, we've learned a lot. I've I learned a lot. I have learned a lot. So that that was a story. I have a couple of um, podcast news. So I now have a Patreon. So if you'd like to support this podcast and help me keep it going, you can go to patreon.com slash Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Some of my, my current patrons are Barb McLean, Michael Borello, Debbie Kravis, and Emily Shelton. So thank you to all of them. Also, I am currently hosting a giveaway because I'm at my six-month podcast anniversary, which is very exciting. So if you would like to win a Tuesday Night Mystery Club handmade tea towel or Tuesday Night Mystery Club handmade bookmark, you should check out my Instagram at Tuesday Night Mystery Club and you can, what's it called? Enter the giveaway. Enter the giveaway on Instagram. What else? You can listen to my backlog of podcasts anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Tuesday Night Mystery Club and I think that's everything. So thank you, Bryn. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on and for listening to all of those crazy theories and uh, for future you for editing all of this. Um, I I love it. Especially with like all of our technical difficulties. So my technical (laughs) difficulties, I should say. I I really like the, yeah, get get all your guesses out there and then figure it out. Yeah, so thank you, Brandon. Thank you everyone home for listening. Goodbye. Thanks so much. Bye.